Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. We're starting a new series today called Testify. And this is exciting for me because I was deeply impacted a few months ago when I got the chance to go to a conference in New Rochelle, New York. Anyone been there before? New Rochelle. I never even heard of it. Have you? Yeah? It's funny, apparently. It's, <laughs> it's, I don't know. I flew in, flew out, so I didn't get to explore, but it was a great time. It really was. And it was crazy because I didn't have a lot of context for the conference. I just met some of uh, the leader of it. Uh, and I I just went and I went up there. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I get there and they say, this conference is going to be 100% testimonies. Yeah, the whole conference, 12 minute testimonies from all these different people, all these different leaders, marketplace leaders, church leaders. It was, I just have to tell you, it was the most enriching thing I've ever been to the most equipping conference I've ever been to. And there was like 10 minutes of teaching <laughs> at the beginning. And the rest was testimony. I was shocked. You'd think that, you know, you'd do one or two and you'd get, get it out of your system. No, no. Hearing the way God moved in all their different stories and contexts literally lit my fire. And it changed me. It just, it gave me a new value for the testimony. It really did because of what it did in my heart. It was so amazing. And so this series is birthed out of that. It's actually a family-wide series. All our campuses are doing it. And we, I hope today to start a path towards equipping you for the work of evangelism by way of your testimony. Okay? It's actually the art of being an overcomer. An overcomer. I want to raise up overcomers. I don't know about you, but I like being more than a conqueror. I like being an overcomer. It's not all about us. It's about Jesus. But I like moving things on behalf of the Lord, with the Lord, partnering with God, doing what he tells me to do, and stuff happening. I don't know about you. It's way more fun than just like coming to church, sitting there, listening, and leaving. I like doing stuff with Jesus. Anybody with me? I like partnering with God and building things, making the kingdom advance on the earth. He is the one doing the work, obviously, but he calls us into partnership with his work. Amen? And he commands us to share. We're all called to the work of evangelism. I'd love to break it to you. Okay, your job is to share your faith. It is. But I have, this, I have this new understanding now that the Lord has shown me. I think the reason we stink at sharing our faith is because we don't value our own story. We don't properly value our own story with God. If we gave more value to our story with God, I think sharing our faith would be automatic. I think it would be, there would be a new boldness that rises up. And that's my point. I want to raise up overcomers. Why do I say that? It's from Revelation 12, 11. We're going to read it in a second. But I want to define for you what an overcomer is in our context, OK? An overcomer is a storyteller who boldly proclaims their history with God, inviting others into his story as well. A storyteller who boldly proclaims their history with God, inviting others into his story as well. Because that's the deal. We need to be inviting others. There are people around you who need your story because your story matters. 
You might not think your story is flashy. You might not think that you have a great testimony. Or maybe you've heard about someone being delivered from a crazy lifestyle, and now they're serving God, and, and that's great, but I don't have one of those testimonies or whatever. I'm telling you, your story matters, all right? The people around you need to hear how God has changed your life. They do. Turn to your neighbor and say, your story matters. Come on, come on. Now turn to the other neighbor you don't like nearly as much and say, your story also matters. <laughs> I love that one. That's my favorite. One of my favorites. Let's read Revelation 12, 10 through 11. There's a lot going on in the book of Revelation, but I just want to uh, jump right in here in this moment and read this to you. Are you ready? Y'all ready? All right. It says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Hard stop. Pause for a second. Before you get weird about like the timeline of Revelation and uh, pre, post, mid, trib, da -da 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 -da, all that stuff. Let me ask you something. Have you received salvation? Anyone in here? A couple. Okay. Have you experienced the power of God? Okay. Has the kingdom of God come near you? Does Jesus have all authority in heaven and earth? Okay. So this is talking about you right now. Are we, is that fair? Fair? Okay. It says, this, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they, who's they? Yeah, amen. Who's they? Uh, us, me, yes, right answer, good. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Yes, that part is in there. It's the end of the sentence. I know you don't quote it all the way, but that's not my fault. It's not, the Bible does not say we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, period. That's not what it says. It says, and not loving your life unto death. Yeah, all the things. Uh, the King James Version says, and they overcame, the new King James, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. You know what and means? And means with the same effect, the same power, the same importance. Did you know that your testimony is just as important as the blood of the Lamb? When it comes to overcoming the evil one. You think maybe you've devalued your own story a little bit? Yeah? You're like, no, no, no. The blood of the lamb is more important than anything. Okay, listen. Your testimony is because of the blood of the lamb. All right? There's an order to it. First is the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. There's an, there's an order to these things. But you need to start to value your own testimony, your own story. No matter how fantastic or boring you may think it is. Come on. It's so important. The people in your workplace need to hear your story. The people in your family need to hear your story. Your friends need to hear your story. I mean, just how does it feel to have a part in throwing the enemy down? Come on, think about it. Right answer, Kimberly. She said, it's great. Come on. I want to be one who overcomes the enemy. I want to be part of the story of his total, complete demise. I know Jesus did it. 
and we're invited into sharing. Come on. You're like, but then I have to talk to people. Yeah, that's a skill. You need that skill. You need the life skill of being able to talk to other humans. We're like, we're at the grocery store, and we're waiting our turn. We're like, nobody talk to me, please. I'm doing important things right now with my life. I have really important things to work on. Yes, this is TikTok, but whatever. Just now I was on TikTok, but usually I'm doing really life-altering things. When someone behind you is walking right out that store and into hell. Because you were stingy with your story. <laughs> and it's that serious. <laughs> I'm not playing around, y'all. People will not hear unless someone preaches. How will they hear except someone preaches? How will they know unless someone proclaims it? Are you waiting to get them all here? Are you waiting for them just to find us? We're kind of like the speakeasy of the spirit realm. You can barely even get here sometimes. You got to stumble in here on accident almost, all right? Like all of Tampa can't fit here. Even all of your workplace can't fit here. Your job is to be sent with a story of how God changed your life. People will listen to your story, I promise you. Especially if you tell it strategically and you get rid of all the fluff and you just get down to the core of it. And maybe somebody would teach you an outline or, or some type of practical strategy to share it. It would be helpful. Maybe. We'll see if that happens today. I don't know. That's the plan. We're okay. You're all right. You're looking at me like, like I don't know. <laughs> this means I have, are we going like, to leave here and go talk to people about Jesus? Yeah, I hope so. Like, you're all evangelists in one way or another. Do you understand? How many of you would say, it's not your job to talk about Jesus? Raise your hand. That's not my job. Why do we act like that? Wait for the evangelists to do it. Wait for Pastor Abraham to get half of Tampa saved. He's close. He's close. But why are you sitting around? Abraham doesn't have your story. It's important. The blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, not loving our lives under death. Let's walk through that really quick. The blood of the lamb is important because this is about Jesus fulfilling the law, all right? There was, there's a lot to do with this, but there was the law of Moses, the law of God, the ritual, uh, you know, ceremonies of it, all of that. And there was always a lamb sacrificed for the sins of Israel every year on the Day of Atonement, okay? And Jesus was called the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world because a lamb walks up to a slaughter without a fight. The lamb walks up silent. I've seen a little lamb in Kazanlak, Bulgaria, walk right up to the knife and look at the guy and just watch as they cut his name. I mean, they do. Lambs don't put up a fight. They walk up and they just offer themselves. And that was Jesus. No one took his life. He offered it. He offered it as the pure, innocent lamb. But listen to this. In Matthew 5, 17, it says, Jesus said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. That means it's not your job to fill in the blanks, okay, of the law. Jesus fully filled it from the bottom to the top. He filled it all the way up. It is full. 
okay? And now we get to stand on him as the cornerstone in the new covenant, all right? He fulfilled it and became a cornerstone. Now we are building with him his kingdom. Are you okay? You okay? Yeah? So Jesus came to fulfill the law, and when he fulfilled the law, he left the accuser without any true legal grounds to condemn us. Do you understand? Because of the blood of the lamb, the enemy has no right to accuse you. Even though he does, he has no right. It's an illegal accusation. The enemy might say, even if you sin today or whatever, the enemy might come and say, see, you failed. And you could, in your interaction with the enemy, go, I'm so glad for the forgiveness of Jesus. I'm thankful that he paid for that failure before it even got to me. And you know what? That's repentance. <laughs> it's saying, I'm not that person. That's not who I was. If the devil went to Jesus and said to him, hey, did you see what Joe was doing? Jesus would go, I already forgot that. He has forgotten all of your future sins. Did you realize that? All of your sins were in the future when God forgot them. Hebrews 8, he will remember our wicked ways no more. It's, it's over, y'all. Like, he's not going to remember them. All right? So we are not in the process of remembering our wretchedness so that we can become more holy. We are in the process of focusing on Jesus so that we can celebrate the fact that he delivered us. Come on. This is so important. It says in Hebrews 9.22, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Say with blood. Say with blood. I know. You're like, oh, blood. Weird. I don't know. Okay. But get this. Everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So Jesus came, shed his own blood so that you and I could be forgiven. But not only forgiven, we were also set free by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1, 7 says, For the, by the blood of Christ we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. So the blood of the Lamb is not just about forgiving you. It's about setting you free. Too much of the church, listen to me now, too much of the church believes in forgiveness of sin without the freedom from sin. And it's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. You are forgiven and you are free. Sin will have no dominion over you. You've been set free from the dominion of sin, completely set free. You actually have self-control now. You have the spirit of self-control. Hello? Am I talking to anybody? Do you realize your responsibility now is to control yourself and tell your story? Something has happened, has it not? Has something changed in your life? I mean, really, if nothing has changed in your life since you got to know Jesus, I wonder which Jesus you got to know, because Jesus changes everything. If you know him, things shift, things change. You can't act the way you acted before. You can't think the way you thought before. You're like, yeah, but I wasn't like, you know, doing drugs and came out with a needle in my arm and had a radical encounter. Did something change? Did something happen? Do you have peace where you didn't? Do you have joy where you had sorrow? I mean, come on. You're telling me that's not valuable? What has the blood of the Lamb done? What has it done, if anything? I think there's huge parts of the church. Oh, man, I should not say that. Oh, man. Should have said it at the 9 a.m. <laughs> I'll say it. I'll soften it, but I'll still say it. I fear there may be Huge parts of the church that don't even know him. Those who call themselves the church is what I mean. 
who come to church, who sit here, you might be in this room, and you don't know him. I'll tell you whether you know him or not. What changed? If nothing changed, I wonder if you know him. It's impossible to know Jesus without changing. I'm not saying you get to know something in your head and then you work on yourselves and get better. I'm saying something, a switch broke, something changed. I am not what I was. Am I talking about anybody in here? Does anyone have this story? Things shifted in me when I really met Jesus. It's not a coffee and cakes club, y'all. It's a transformation station. All right. Set free from sin and forgiven of sin. That's what the blood of Jesus has done. And now, the word of our testimony. Listen to this quote from Leonard Ravenhill. You ready? A man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. A man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. What does that mean? You could be an atheist in here. You could try and argue with me all day long that God isn't real, and I will just smile. <laughs> and I'll, I might feel bad for you. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like thinking of a way to prove it to you because you don't have to prove it to me. You don't have, you can't talk me out of this thing. <laughs> I've met the Lord. I'm different. I know. My heart has been changed. You can't talk me out of it because no one talked me into it. The Lord came into my life and changed me. You can have all your arguments you want. The Bible's got all these errors. Uh, okay. It's written by man. I don't trust it. Well, everything's, who else going to write it? <laughs> the Bible's written by man. I don't know. Who else is going to write it? You want, a, you want a dog to write it? You, know, you want the trees just to write on themselves? Who else is going to write it down? Hello? Come on. All right. Our testimony is powerful because it proclaims our personal history with God. You have a personal history with God that needs to be proclaimed. Amen? Come on. I think you're starting to believe me that it matters. Let's listen to Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, let us consider how to stir one another, stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the, is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The beginning of that, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. At that conference, I was stirred up towards love and good works. I left that conference loving Jesus more. Loving my wife better, being more compassionate towards others. Something was stirred up in me. I know the testimony is just one way, but it is a powerful way to stir one another up in love and good works. Amen? Come on. Come on. Are you okay in this Presbyterian gathering this morning? I mean, <laughs> I'm the one who had heat exhaustion last week, right? Like, you're all all right? You're okay? All right. <laughs> We need to be those who value the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and are bold about it. That's not loving our lives unto death. This is the boldness required to be an overcomer. Listen to Acts 4.31 in the Passion Translation. It says, as they prayed, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Come on, let's get that in our Thursday night prayer meetings, right? Come on. I want the earth to tremble and the building I'm in to, sh to shake, or vice versa, or both, whatever. It says, each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. 
Let me help you. There's one common thread in the book of Acts for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it's not tongues. It's not miracles. It's not signs and wonders. It's boldness. Every time, there's always boldness. It's either mentioned or clearly seen in the text. Boldness came upon those who were filled with the Holy Spirit. So I wonder if you really have met Jesus if nothing's changed. And I wonder if you've received the Holy Spirit if you have no boldness to share. And you don't need to be sitting here questioning your salvation. I am questioning what you're doing with it. And I'm coming at you. I don't know if you can tell. I'm coming at you. Because this church exists for the lost to be found. The found to be free and peace to reign. There are lost people around you every single day. You're like, everyone I know is saved. Bull crap. Bull. I promise you, there's at least one in your workplace. Come on. Are you thinking of them right now? You got pictures of people in your head right now? Are you sure that they, have, they know the Lord? Come on. You're like, Caleb, don't talk to us like this. It's been too long. You haven't been around here. No, this is important. I want to raise up overcomers. I'm going to help you. This Greek word boldness is parousia. I'm going to define this for you. It's actually, um, this is from the footnote of the Passion Translation. The word parousia, which means boldness, is the person who speaks with parousia will say everything that is on his mind with no restraint. Kind of like I am right now. All right? Flowing out of his heart with confidence. It involves being frank and honest, hiding nothing, and speaking directly to the heart. That's boldness. That's parousia. That's what happened in Acts 4 when they were filled. They had unrestrained boldness. What would unrestrained boldness look like on this little church? Come on. What would unrestrained boldness look like on you? Really? <laughs> I love you, buddy. He pointed at me. <laughs> the little guy in the back. What would unrestrained boldness look like? And he pointed at me. I appreciate that. That encouraged my heart. I want to be that guy. I want to raise up those who are, have unrestrained boldness because Jesus has done something. I don't, listen, Philippians 1.21, and if, if you're like, this is too harsh, it's going to get worse. So just, <laughs> just, just embrace it. Just hug it. Just hug the harsh. Just, yeah, I love this. Just say, I love this, Caleb. This is helping me. Just say, this is helping me. Yeah. You're like, it hurts, but it helps. I don't know how that works. Anyway, Philippians 1.21 says, for me, say for me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Come on. Die is gain. We don't look at death as reward, but we need to. Listen, I don't have a death wish. I don't have a death wish, but you can't threaten me with heaven, bro. You cannot threaten me with heaven. You cannot threaten me with that good of a time. All right? You know the word eternity actually means the quality of an age? Eternal life is not a long time or no time, even though, even though that dynamic exists. It's a good time. Heaven is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I know, you're, you're used to like reverence and holiness being like really boring and begrudging and like sitting in that chair. And like, mm. The holier you are, the more mean you look, you know. That is not the look on Jesus' face. That is not what's going on. Okay, the Apostle Paul is dancing with those he martyred right now. There's a lot of joy in heaven. <laughs> it's a third of the kingdom, so at least a third of your face needs to get happy right now. Okay. <laughs> Listen, to die is to graduate. 
I plan to graduate into the cloud of witnesses. I do. This is the true fear of the Lord. When you gain the true fear of the Lord, you lose the fear of death. You lose the fear of man. I don't care what you think. Again, you can't threaten me with heaven. Like, go ahead. Go ahead. Even the enemy. I'm like, okay, you're going to take me out? <laughs> man. <laughs> Come on. I know the church doesn't think like this, and you're having a hard time. But you need to start. You need to start. You're like, what about my kids? They're God's kids. What about my family? It's God's. God's got it. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got galaxies that look like dots on a telescope. That picture this week, wasn't that crazy? The, the, in the recesses of space. Like, he's just playing around out there. All right? He's got your family. He's got your whatever. So how do we do this? I don't really like scripts, you know, like evangelism scripts, things like that. But I have found a really great tool. It's an outline, OK? It's called the Storyteller's Outline. I learned it at that conference with my, my new friend, Mike Rosas. And I'm going to share it with you, because I believe this outline will help you boldly proclaim your history with God and invite others into his story as well. OK, so I want you to write this down as we go through it. But we're going to spend the next few weeks sharing testimonies. We have picked people. We've selected people who are going to come up here and share during the gatherings the next two weeks. And you're going to hear testimony after testimony with this outline. It's going to do two things. It's going to stir you up in your faith, and it's going to give you a model to follow. Okay? So you don't want to miss uh, these things the next couple weeks, all right? But here's the outline. Are you ready? This is how you can be an overcomer, a storyteller. Part one, you share your worst. Start with your worst. You want to identify the worst part of your story and build on that. This is going to get the listener's attention, OK? It's way better than starting with, uh, excuse me, have you accepted the Lord Jesus into your heart? You don't have my attention, dude. You, you're, you now have my aggravation. Come on. I mean, really. And you have to fight through that aggravation. Have you ever shared it that way? I have. They get aggravated. And you have to fight through the aggravation. Why get their aggravation when you can get their attention? This is a connection point. We're not putting uh, undue attention on our past. We don't want to make us the main, main character of the story, because we're not. But you've got to start with the test, right? Testimony. You've got to start with your worst. This is what you were delivered from, right? Does this make sense? Uh, a couple of people, mm -hmm, a little bit under their breath. I hope this makes sense. OK. People will connect because everybody's going through stuff. Everybody's been through something, right? If you've been on the planet for 15 minutes, you got pain, all right? Everybody's been through something. Are you with me, right? And so you sharing your authentic story actually brings a connection point. And it'll fight against that whole holier-than-thou thing. Oh, you just throw holy people over there. You just think you got it all together. No, let me tell you my worst. Start with your worst. Part two is God's best. This is the salvation moment. This is the rescue moment. This is where, you know, the intersection of your worst and God's grace. All right? This is where he comes in and changes stuff. And he meets you in that place. And the goal of this moment is to build faith in the listener. The goal of the first part is to get their attention. And now this builds faith. Because if it can, be, if it can happen for you, it can happen for them. 
Is this making sense? Yeah? Okay, that's God's best. Part three is the culmination. This is what changed. This is what was produced. This is where you explain uh, what living like a new creation is like. This is where you get to present the new world of the kingdom, right? It becomes a contrast, a point of contrast. This is, your worst was over here, but now the culmination, this is what's become of it. This is what's happened. This shows the listener that there is more to this life, okay? And his name is Jesus, amen? And then part four is the ask. This is the most important part. We're not sharing our story just to share it. We're not sharing it just to like fill conversation or have something to talk about in the grocery line, right? We're sharing it to invite them into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's only one name. There's only one way that people can be rescued from their pain. Jesus is God, and there, there's, there's no other sacrifice for anyone. Do you understand? There's no other cross. There's no other way. It's only him. So we get to ask and invite others to meet Christ. We're not just telling our story to impress, but to impact. Amen? Amen? So you want to make sure to find a way to leverage your story, your pain point, your rescue, your culmination, to invite them into his story as well. Does that make sense? I'm going to give you my testimony very quickly in this format, because I'm going to show you it can be done in a minute or less. I grew up in church, gave my life to Jesus when I was eight, but I hated myself. I was addicted to pornography for over 10 years. I felt so nasty every single day. I woke up like feeling gross. I hated who I was on the inside. I put up a good show in front of others. I, I put on airs. I was like, you know, I knew all the Bible verses, all those things, but I really judged people extremely harshly because I hated myself. I couldn't stand to look at myself in the mirror. I didn't want to be alone with my thoughts because I knew I was just, just such a dirty, wretched person. That's how I, thought, I saw myself. Because of what I was dealing with, because of that addiction, I was not okay on the inside. Maybe I looked like on the outside, but not on the inside. And I was really mean in my head towards you. I was, sometimes with my mouth. But God came into my bedroom one day, and he said to me, I heard the, the, the voice of the Lord say to me, you don't have to struggle with that addiction anymore. You don't have to struggle with pornography anymore. And I was set free from that thing in that moment. I'm still set free. I've been set free the whole time. Completely set free. It broke. And not only was I set free from the addiction, I was set free from the self-hatred. I actually started to like myself. I started to enjoy my life. I started to like my gifts. I started to appreciate every day. I started to like you a little bit. <laughs> I started to like stop judging people so harshly in my own heart and mind. And I woke up, I wake up excited every day. To this day, I still wake up excited. I have a purpose in life. And I have been able to help others come into wholeness. I have real peace in my heart. Like I can't turn it off. I just have peace. Like I go through difficult things, but I'm good on the inside. Where I was a wreck on the inside before, now I'm actually really good. You can have that too. I don't know what you, you've been through or what's going on in your life, but maybe you feel that way. Maybe you've, you feel like a hypocrite or maybe you feel just nasty. You don't like yourself. Jesus can change that. 
I couldn't change it, but God changed it for me. And I'm telling you today, I am not the same person I was. I have an amazing wife, two kids. I have a full life. I can't even keep up with all the awesome going on in my life. Do you want that? Your worst, God's best, the culmination, and the ask. Did you hear it? Do you think you can do that? Yeah, you can do that. It might take some time for you to craft it. It might take a moment for you to sit there with it and think, okay, what was my worst? What was God's best? What happened because of it, the culmination? And how would I ask someone if they want that too? Now, when they say yes, there's a bunch of different avenues you can go there, right? You could lead them in a prayer just to receive the Lord. You know, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone confess with their mouth, believes in their heart that Jesus is God, will be saved. Jesus is Lord, will be saved. So you might have to know the story a little bit, but hopefully you do. That he came, God came to the earth, became a man, felt all of our struggles the same way we feel them. And he conquered death. He died a horrible death, taking on our sins, but then he rose from the grave three days later, and he's actually alive in heaven right now. And he sent his Holy Spirit to empower us to live in a new way. All you got to do is believe. The work of God is to believe. How hard is that? Does that sound a little better than, oh, excuse me, uh, yeah, you. If you die tonight, are you going to heaven or hell? I was just here to get milk from the grocery store, and now it's awkward because I have to wait for you to get out of the line, and I have to buy my milk, and I don't know what to say to you, weirdo. I'm sorry. We need effective strategies. And let me tell you where it's at. It's in your story. It's your story. Your story matters. We're going to prove it. We're going to have people come up over the next few weeks sharing their story in this way. I want you to start to think through these things and say, okay, how would I do it? Because when you prepare it, when you think it through ahead of time, it's actually easy when you have something prepared. Does that make sense? Who feels like they can do that? Yeah? Okay. If you don't, just stick with us. It's going to happen. And I just hope that you would, it would become simple for you and it would become something, a boldness would rise up in your heart. Amen? Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.